Guys, it is a, it's a new year, and as such, we're, we're starting a new series called This Is My Story. And so that song that we just sang, I hope it gets stuck uh, in your mind and in your heart. And just kind of that lyric, this is my story, this is my song. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through the Gospel of John. And, and uh, that's where we're going to be. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open them up to the Gospel of John. And uh, this new series, what it's going to do is, is through the Gospel, Jesus has these encounters with people, just these amazing kind of extended discourses where he talks uh, to people, and, and we, we learn so much about who he is and so much about the kingdom of God there, that that's what we're going to do. So let me, I, I want to start though with a question for you guys. With the simple instruction, open your Bibles to the book of John, where exactly in the book of John did you open them to? Naturally, you open them where? Chapter, chapter 1. Well, if you're in chapter 1, that's great, um, but I want you to turn the page. Okay? So if you're in, now, if you're, are you in chapter 2? Now turn the page again. And then turn it again. And again, and again. Just keep turning. Turn to the end of the book of John. Actually, turn, turn to John chapter 20, which I know there's 21 chapters, all right? But we, we kind of consider uh, chapter 21 the epilogue. Chapter 20 is where John starts to kind of end his, his, his book and end his story. And so um, what I want to encourage you to do is, is turn there. I'll explain why in a minute, but before we, we begin, I want us to open in a word of prayer. Okay, Father, we come before you expectantly. Um, we're thankful, God, for a new year. We're thankful for new beginnings. We're thankful for new opportunities. We're also grateful for all that you did in 2018. And so, Lord, as we enter now into 2019, we pray that you would um, give us a spirit of excitement about newness, about what you have for us this year, and specifically about what you have for us in your word this year. As we prepare our hearts, um, now we've, we've celebrated your birth. Now we're going to prepare our hearts to celebrate um, your death and resurrection, which is in 16 weeks. And so help us prepare now to think those kind of thoughts. Holy Spirit, we want to invite you to come and take your place as our teacher and our guide. We recognize that's who you are in this church. Pray that you would come and that you would exalt Jesus Christ in our midst. And King Jesus, as you're lifted up, would you paint such a clear picture of who you are, that we, we want you more than anything else in life. We ask these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, now when we study a new book, which we're doing, and I, guys, I, I'm sorry, let me just apologize in advance. I always feel, I, I got to do an intro message for the series. Like, it just has to happen because you got to know where we're coming from, background. So some of you, don't, like, don't write it off though. There's important stuff in here. But I just, I'm apologizing in advance. So uh, here, here's what we're going to do. When, when we start a new study, and you're going to do a whole study of a book, you got to ask some questions. Like, so if, if, when you're doing personal Bible reading, say, hey, I'm going to read the book of Galatians. Okay, you need to ask some questions before you just jump in and start reading. So there's some basic questions that we ask that help us figure out how to interpret what we're going to read. And it's really important that we think about how we're going to interpret what we read in the book of John. So some basic questions are like, well, who wrote the book, right? Who wrote the book? When was the book written? To whom was the book written? And so in our case, those things are pretty obvious. So in the book of John, it was written by John, the disciple, also known as the apostle John, right? Uh, he is the brother of James. Uh, he is a fisherman. Jesus calls he and his brother off of a boat, right? And says, come and follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Um, they're the sons of Zebedee. Uh, Jesus calls them the sons of thunder. Uh, John is not just one of the twelve, but he's part of Jesus' inner circle of three. John sees things that nobody else gets to see. 
He has experiences that nobody else gets to experience, right? And so we kind of got to know who we're dealing with, who's writing this book. Now, the second thing we ask is, well, when was this book written? Unlike the synoptics, uh, the Gospel of John is one of the last books written in all of the Bible. Did you know that? The only book written later than the Gospel of John is the book of Revelation. So the Gospel of John is written after uh, Jesus' prediction that the, the temple would be destroyed is destroyed. It's written after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. It's written after all of the other disciples have been martyred and put to death. It's, it's, it's written after they tried to put him to death. They put John in boiling oil. Okay, like, like Tertullian says, this was a spectacle. Crowds were supposed to watch this. They, they dropped him into boiling oil and he came out untarnished. Right? So much so that Nero, who, who uh, great persecution under Nero, he's like, I don't want to mess with this guy. We're going to send him to Patmos. And so, so he's exiled to Patmos, and we think that's where he does most of his writing. So, so that's, that's who wrote it. That's when it's written. Then the, the next question we answer is, well, to whom is it written? And this is interesting, because we think, well, he, surely he wrote it to the church. Surely he wrote it to believers. But the truth is, what we find out when we, when we start to read the book of John is it's not actually written for believers. It's written for people that have not yet believed in Jesus so that they might believe in Jesus. In fact, the word belief is huge for John. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, so the, uh, <coughs> the, there is one more question that I didn't throw out there. In fact, it's the most important question that you have to ask when you're trying to interpret what a text means. And, and, and that is why. Why did the author write what he wrote? And so in the book of John, that question is not answered in chapter 1. It's answered in chapter 20. And so I'm in John chapter 20, starting in verse 30. And I'm going to read the word of the Lord to you. And this is what it says. John chapter 20, starting in verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. Now, I want to stop there just for a second. I'm going to tie this in a second. You need to know from the very beginning that John is telling you he did not include everything that Jesus did in this book. That's just like his, his, his banner statement. He's about to say, hey, here's why I wrote it, but before I tell you why, I want you to know this isn't everything. Okay, I'm not telling you everything. So now, now read with me verse 31. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have eternal life in his name. Alright? That's why John wrote this book. What that means is that every story in this book, we got to put 30 and 31 together. 30 says, I didn't include everything. Okay, and then 31 says, what I included, I included so that you might believe in Jesus and come to faith in him, that you might have eternal life. Right? So that's why he's writing it. Now, when we look at 30, and you say, what do you mean you didn't include everything, John? Well, we'll read further. Uh, I'm in now chapter 21, um, starting in verse 24. It says, this is the disciple who testifies to things and, and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even that the world itself could contain the books that would be written. So I want to put 30 uh, and then those two verses from 21 together for you. Listen, here's what John's saying. Ready? This ain't all of it. Like, this is not the whole story. He, he's actually saying, listen, I'm, I'm leaving stuff out. 
Not, not just some stuff. John's going, I'm leaving a ton of stuff out. In fact, the only stuff I'm going to put in is the stuff that I think, that I witnessed, that, that made me believe in Jesus. Because I think if you hear the things that made me believe in Jesus, then you're going to believe in Jesus. And so the whole book of John, it's not about history. That's not what it's about. It, it's not a biography. That's not, what, that's not why we turn to John. We turn to John to see Jesus as John saw Jesus. So that we can see all the things that Jesus did that made people believe in Him. Because His hope in writing this is that you would believe in Him and receive eternal life by doing so. Okay? The word believe is so important in the book of John. He uses it 98 times. 98 times. And He never uses it as a noun. It's a verb. He's like, no, no, this is active belief. That's what I want for you. I want you to actively believe in Jesus Christ. And, and listen, this, this, this focus of John is weird. It, it, it's weird for the reader because it means that John leaves out a lot of things. I mentioned John was part of the inner circle. So John was up on the mountain and, and, and witnessed the transfiguration. Do you know that he doesn't mention it in his gospel? John, John, part of the inner circle, well, like he was, he was up close and he got to see the baptism. Lord's Supper, he knew what was going on. He, he helped out with all that. He right there. Jesus, like leaning up against him. He, he knew intimate details, yet he leaves those things out. John, in fact, never includes anything that would exalt him at all. That would cause you to maybe think that he was the star of this book. Instead, he only talks about the things of Jesus. So it's interesting, when we read John, we don't get the genealogy of Jesus. We don't get the baptism of Jesus. We don't get the temptation of Jesus in the desert. We don't get any of the parables of Jesus. His primary teaching methods, the parables. John says, nope, I'm just not going to include those. Instead, what we have is time after time, we have Jesus coming into the lives of people. Interacting with people. These really long discourses where he talks to people. And in these conversations, I, I would submit to you, I think we learn more about God and more about the kingdom of heaven than maybe anywhere else in scripture. All right? And here's what I want to drive home. This is his testimony. It's what he says. This is what I saw. And this is what made me believe. And so when we study the book of John, I don't want you to think of it as a history book. I want you to think of it as a series of testimonies. A series of, of John saying, and this made me believe in Jesus. And this made me believe in Jesus. And this made me believe in Jesus. And the, this is just a, a series of his testimonies. That's the right way to view the text. John is telling us his story, what his experience with Jesus was like. And I want you to know that I believe that's the most biblical thing that any person can do. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, here's what I mean, right? Acts 1.8. What does Jesus uh, say in Acts 1.8 before he ascends into heaven? He says, but you're going to receive uh, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be my what? Witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right? Matthew um, 28, 18 through 20. I've just got 19 through 20 on the screen. Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So he says, you've got to go witness. You've got to make disciples. Um, Peter says this. He says, um, I'm going to read the second half of this. He says, in your hearts regard Christ as Lord is holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that's in you. And so the, the Bible calls all believers, not just John. The Bible calls all believers to always be ready to witness and to testify about the goodness of God. And so what I'm going to submit to you, and I'm just going to lay my cards on the table this morning. Here's my hope for our church. Ready? 
I want us to be unlike what the statistics say in the world. See, the statistics today, talking about American Christians, say that the majority of American Christians won't even invite somebody to church. The majority of American Christians don't even invite other people to church. If we don't invite other people to church, what do you think the likelihood is that we're out witnessing to people in the world? You follow me? Probably not very good. So my hope and my prayer through this whole study is that what we all understand is that we need to embrace not, not just the encouragement of God, but the command of God to go and tell our story of what we have seen about God. And so as we study John, my hope is that the Holy Spirit will stir up within us what we know to be true about Jesus, what our encounters with Jesus has been. And so that we too, not that we'll go write a gospel, okay? but that we will be willing to go and share our story with the world. All right? That's my hope. That's my prayer. So two things I hope to accomplish this morning, um, just kind of in this introduction. The first thing is I want to tell you why your story is important. The second thing, I want to tell you how to share your story. Because maybe you're here this morning and you don't know. Like you've been to church before. They said like, you've got to go make witnesses. You're like, I don't know how to do that. So we're going to help you this morning. We want to kind of, kind of lower the shield. We want you to see behind the curtain. It's not the Wizard of Oz. It's not that hard to do. And so we're going to walk through these two things. First, let's talk about why your story is important. Three things I'll share with you very quickly. And here's the first, right? Your story is important because nobody has a story just like yours, right? Your story is important because nobody has a story just like yours. Now in Acts 1-8, what Jesus tells people to do um, is very different from what, he, what we think he tells us to do, okay? Because what Jesus says in Acts 1-8, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're just going to go and be my witnesses, Okay? He says, you're going to go and, and be a witness of, of who I am. That's what you're going to do. Now, we as Christians have interpreted that to mean that we are to go be Jesus' lawyers. right? So it's not that we are, are to go and just be a witness. Well, here's what God has done for me. We have interpreted that to mean, you know what? Now, now we think about the discipleship thing, which is go make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that you've commanded. Okay? I'm going to submit to you. I know this is crazy, but evangelism and discipleship are different. Right? So to disciple somebody, you got to get them into the fold. Right? That's the teaching them everything you know. When somebody is lost, you can't teach them everything you know. Because they don't have the Holy Spirit of God inside of them hungering for everything you know. Right? So what they need to hear at that moment is they need a testimony. They need, they need to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And when we witness, people come into the kingdom, then we build disciples. Okay? So I'm just going to submit to you that I think these things are, are, are a little different. We've kind of married them together. I don't think they need to be married together. And, and so, so what is a witness? Well, a witness is not a lawyer. Right? A witness is not a lawyer. So we think about a courtroom for a second. Right? There are lawyers, there's attorneys, uh, representatives, right? and then there are witnesses. And the lawyers are not the witnesses. Right? So the lawyer's job is to prove innocence or guilt. That is not your job. Hallelujah! 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 Right? Because so, some of you have been thinking that. And you think, I've got to go out in the world, and if I'm going to tell people about Jesus, I have to be educated, and I've got to know every scripture, and, and I've got to defend Jesus. Listen to me. Jesus doesn't need you to defend him. I'm just, I, I love you. Like, I, I'm for apologetics, by the way. If you love apologetics, God bless you. Like, I mean, I mean, get into it. Battle with the people. You know, I mean, Paul did that stuff. Like, that's Paul. Some people are called to apologetics. But, but listen, that is not the call of God on every Christian. But the call of God on every Christian is to witness. And, and, and guys, I love you, but we've been lacking, right? We're, we're not sharing our story. We're not telling. And so, so what I want to do is, is, is if we get it right biblically and we understand my, my goal is not to have to defend Jesus Christ, but rather just to be a witness. So in the courtroom, what's the difference between the attorney and the witness? 
Well, the difference is that the witness just gets up and tells what they saw. Just what they know, what they experience. And oftentimes, in, in, in a court of law, there's several witnesses. Like, like there's an accident, and, and a car runs a stoplight, hits another car. You've got one person that says, no, I, I, was, I was on this side of the light, and, and, and here's what I saw. Man, that car just came, came running through and, and just ran into that truck. That's what I saw. Right? And then somebody on the other side of the light says, no, judge, actually, it's, it's worse than that. Not only did they come through the light, but they were coming, and when they saw the light turn orange, I heard them accelerate. Ooh, now I've got intent, right? Oh, okay, this, this changes things. Then you've got somebody that was closer by, and they say, not only that, let me tell you that not only did they speed up, but I'm going to tell you they were distracted because when they hit the other person, there's not a single skid mark on the road. Oh, so I've got three unique perspectives of one event. Why do you think it might be necessary for people in our world to hear about Jesus from our unique perspectives, right? Because each one reveals something else about his goodness and about his love, okay? That is God's call upon every single one of us. And what I'm going to tell you this morning is, listen, the world needs your story. And you may think, some of you are like, no, my story's not that important, you know, my, I had Christian parents. I was raised in church. That's it. I met Jesus when I was eight. No, 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 no. Like, that's some commonality that you share with other people. But n- Jesus didn't say to them the same thing he said to you. Jesus didn't speak through the same song a- 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 as he did when he spoke to you. It wasn't the same passage. It wasn't, it wasn't the same, hey, I'm right here. I know you need me, right? Your story is unique, and you need to tell it. So that's the first thing I would tell you. That's why you got to share your story. The second thing I would tell you why you need to share your story is this. People tend to relate more to stories than to sermons or principles. All right? And so we have a tendency. I don't know what it is. I, I try to tell you guys all the time. There's no separation between us. I am one of you. Some of you, I don't know, you've got some old Catholic in you or something. You think I'm a priest. You think you have to confess your sins to me. It really makes me uncomfortable, okay? I just, I love you. You can, you can, I mean, you know, I, I know biblically it says confess your sins to one another as to the Lord. And if you need to, that's fine. But I'm not going to give you any penance. Um, we don't do that. So uh, there's no separating wall here. There's no division. Um, I'm just, just a person. So, so here's the deal. When it comes to sharing Christ, what happens, what I see Christians try to do instead is they they go to the lost people they know, and instead of just saying, hey, here's my story, they go, well, listen, okay, so my pastor is talking through John right now. It's like they try to re-preach a sermon. Can I just tell you that doesn't work with lost people in your life? Like, if you go to the lost people in your life, say, "Um, could you open your Bible to John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made that have been made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That'll be our text today. <laughs> right? That's just not going to go well. I, I don't know if you try that, but we do that. Sometimes we're like, oh man, I heard this great thing at church, and, 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 and if I do this, and then I do that, and, I, and that's what you need. Right? We come to church, and we actually think that's for the other people in our life. But that is hubris, by the way. Church is always for you. It's about what you need. Like you, you, the whole goal, like when we hear the Bible preached to us, it's about looking in a mirror. So um, I have people all the time in church, they're like, hey, did you write that sermon thinking about me? I'm like, no, but you're a very proud person. Um, I write them like looking in the mirror. I write them about me, and if they apply to you, God bless you, okay? Here's the deal. The lost people in your life, they don't want a sermon. And, and even when we break it down to the most simple principles in life, guess what? They don't have the Holy Spirit working in them yet. So they don't have a desire to put those principles into play in their life. But here's where our world is captivated by. They're captivated by stories, right? I mean, I mean it's proof, right? You're Aquaman. 
a story about a superhero that lives underwater and spins a trident on his hand. Right? This has made millions of dollars. Right? A nanny that floats down on an umbrella and, and actually doesn't really take very good care of the children, but sings to them, right? And that, that, that takes them to magical places where they get into trouble and get kidnapped and lost and whatever. But they always come back home eventually because uh, they hang out with lamplighters and, and chimney sweeps. Um, like, this is, no, this is great. This is wonderful. Titanic. It's what a great story. Oh, what a love story. They died. My wife and I came out of that. We watched that when it, when it came out the first time. We were on Christmas break or something. And somebody walking out of the movie was talking about the sequel. Oh, do you think they'll make a second one? <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, it's called The Rising of the Titanic. All the dead stuff will bring it up to the surface. Here's what I'm telling you guys. Our world is, is hungry you look at people that spend uh, an average of four to six hours on screens, binge watching um, Netflix, uh, House of Cards, or wh- whatever it is, whatever the best story is. People are interested in your story. You just don't think they are. People will sit and listen to your story. They don't want to hear you preach at them. They don't necessarily want the, the Bible read to them. But if you sit down and just tell them your story, not only are they going to listen, they might even ask questions. You might be shocked at how interested people are in a good story, okay? Last reason your story is important um, is that personal testimonies often bypass what, what I call intellectual defenses. By the way, and when I say I call, um, uh, Rick Warren did such a good job on putting this testimony stuff together that I just totally thieved him this morning um, in most of this. Not, not all of it, but a good chunk of it. Thank you, Rick. You're, you're the man. Um, so, a shout out. Uh, Personal testimonies bypass intellectual defenses. Now, here's the deal. Um, Most of the time when we think about witnessing, what we're actually doing is trying to disciple or we're trying to win someone to Christ. So we're not saying, here's what Jesus did in my life. I'm a witness. What we're actually doing is we're we're, we're going and we're trying to apologize. uh, And and that's not say I'm sorry, but we're trying to go prove that Christ is the Savior, the Messiah. It's a proof thing, right? And so it's not, it, it doesn't have personal stuff attached. What we do is we go out into the world with lost people and we just take the Bible and we're like, well, I I memorized this Roman road. Can I share it with you? Right? I mean, Romans 3.23 says, for we've all sinned and fallen short short of the glory of God. Right? And Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. The Romans 8.20, you know, and and, and like we just, so we, we memorize. And listen, that's great. That is good stuff. In fact, that stuff may be useful if someone listens to your story. Right? If someone listens to your story and says, that's awesome, how do I do that? Then, well, well, well the Bible says, blah, 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 blah. But when I go out into the world, and, 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 and listen, I, I'm, again, I'm not saying that we don't do this thing. I'm, I'm not saying that's not important. Okay? But what I'm saying is, if you think that that's what witnessing is, that's why you don't share your story with anybody. That's why we don't live up to the biblical command that we would, as we're going, that we'd make disciples, that we would, we would all, full of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1-8, go and make witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We don't witness, we don't tell our story because we think what we really need to do is quote scripture to everybody. Okay? Here's the deal. When you quote scripture to people in our world, usually they say, well, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe that that's the word of God. I think a bunch of men read it or, or, or other excuses, right? Um, it, it's been, it's been uh, there's so many versions that it's totally lost its meaning. Those people don't know anything about Greek or Hebrew. They can't see that it's the same stuff. Anyway, but you, you don't need to prove that to them right there necessarily. But you know what people can't argue with? Your experience. Hey, I lost my dad. Like, that's, like that happened. 
And I was already a believer, right? But it brought up all these illegitimate issues that I had. And I realized my whole life, I'd been trying to live for the praise and acknowledgement of one man. Right? You ever been there? And you know what God showed me through all this, through the grieving and the hurt and the loss, that he's my true father. My inheritance is in heaven, not on earth. And it stunk. But man, it's good. Right? That's not even my salvation testimony. It's just, my, it's just where I've been. But you know what? Somebody will listen to that more than they will. Hey, let me tell you. <laughs> this is what John says, right? Okay. So I just want you to think about that. That's why your story is so important. That's why I'm going I'm to challenge you over the next... Um, we, we're doing this 16 weeks, this, so we have 15 more weeks. Over 15 weeks, we're going to challenge you to, to work on your story, okay? So let me tell you a little bit about how to put that together, and I'll do this very quickly. It, it's, it's about answering four questions primarily, especially when we talk about your salvation story, how you came to know Christ. It's really about answering four questions. And the first question is this, um, what was your life like before you met Jesus? All right? Just, just what was your life like before you met Jesus? And, and, and so um, with that, you know, there, there's some other questions in there that, that you, can, you can look at um, specifically. Uh, like, uh, what, what did your life revolve around? Where did you get your identity? What was your identity? And was it in your wealth? Was it in your job? Was it in your relationship? You know? I mean, my, I was in this relationship, and that was my everything. I, I had an awesome opportunity to, um, to spend some time with somebody that I had met through my kid's school, and that person was in a relationship that wasn't great. And, um, and so I, I saw them at a basketball game this week, and we sat, and we ended up talking for almost half an hour. And this person, their life was just, you know, she talked about how difficult the last year had been, and all these, she was engaged, and the guy backed out, and all this kind of stuff. And it find, turned out like she's been in a relationship her whole life. Those things were defining. I said, you know, man, what a gift you have. She looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> what a gift you have to figure out who you are in Jesus before you get married to somebody else and, and, and you keep thinking that your identity is all bound up in them, you know? And it's really cool. And she said, man, I'm back in church. I'm doing these things. Like, that's good stuff, right? So we got to ask, like, what, what, what was our life like? Where did we get our identity? Where did we find our security? Like, in what did we, we, we place our happiness or, or our hope, Right? And then, in this same question, right, this first one, this is kind of huge, is, is the big kicker. How did those things let you down? Right? Like, like man, I, I had all my identity and all my trust in this, and then I realized I was bankrupt. I, I realized that that couldn't make me happy. Right? Could not make me happy that I was empty. And so we kind of begin there. So what was my life like before Jesus? The second question we ask is, how did, um, how did I realize I needed Jesus? What was that like? Was I in church? Was it a sermon? And, and, you know, was it a song? Could have been on the radio or, you know, a lot of people. It was, for some reason, it's that old hymn, Just As I Am. It's because they played it every Sunday, right? They just played it every single Sunday. Come down the, And I wasn't raised in church, but I just empathize with you guys. And every Sunday, the same hymn. Um, that's how you're going to feel when you hear this is my story for 16 weeks. The band is already, like, rejecting me. Like, we're not playing that for 16 weeks. Oh, yeah, you are. I can turn off the power. Um, empty threats. Um, was it a song? Was it, was it a friend? Was it a parent? Right? Like, how, how, did, did a parent say to you, like, hey, I think you need God. Like, maybe you should turn to Jesus. What, what was it? What, was it scripture? What, what, were you alone? I mean, give specifics. Like, how did God speak to you and what did he say? 
Right? I mean, I, I remember the moment that God just flat out like said unto me, like, hey, you're not saved. I was like, oh, that's not good. That's not good. I, I remember it was like it was like God just kind of said, the act is up, buddy. Right? I mean, I mean, I mean, he, you've been doing. I'd been doing it for about a year. He had kind of called me back to himself. I'd, I'd started learning and studying the Bible. I was going to like three Bible studies a week, so I was really holy. Um, and uh, you know, I wore sweater vests with sandals. It was great. T-shirts underneath the sweater vest. It's awesome. My wife would tell you I wore socks with those sandals, which made it even better. <laughs> had a little gold James Xavier cross. I had all the stuff. Had all the stuff, man. I, I kind of looked the role. But yet, there I sat at a youth camp as a sponsor, and God just said, the gig is up, man. You are not a follower of me. You are not saved. And I knew it, and I was laid bare. So you got to include that. Like, like, how did you realize you needed Jesus? It's important, okay? Third question. How did you commit your life to him? Now, Christians, I love you. This is the part we all leave out of our story. We tell people who we were before. Oh man, I ran off and sin. It's almost like we're bragging about our sin. I mean, oh, I slept with all these people. I did all these drugs and I drank all this alcohol. And, and, and then I, I got clean. Was that why Jesus died on the cross? So you could get better? He died on the cross because you were dead. He died on the cross because you were bound by sin. And you were in the grave. See, he conquered the grave so that you could have life. It wasn't just so you could be better. And, and so this story isn't about us. It's about him. And, and, and so I, I just, at some point when we tell our story, we've got to say, and then I, I, I just, I, I couldn't do it anymore. And so finally, right there and then, I said to Jesus, like, here I am. Look, I'm, I'm yours, right? Take, take this wheel from my hands, Lord. Now, that, that is my story. By the way, I prayed that prayer long before Jesus' take the wheel was ever written, okay? I just, I'm just being honest, okay? It was. I know it's, it's a corny prayer to pray. I know what else to pray. I, I, I knew that I needed Jesus. I told the youth pastor, and he was like, ha-ha, you know enough. Go do it your own time. I'm out in, in, in Columbus, Texas, under the stars, and I literally, like, I am so tired of being in control, God. My life is a wreck. And even though people don't think it's a wreck, I know it's a wreck and I can't hide it anymore. I just want you to take the wheel. Please take control of my life. That was my prayer. It, it didn't come from Lifeway. It wasn't in some paragraph that was printed. I mean, I don't encourage other people to repeat the same words. Um, I mean, it's no kumbaya around the circle holding hands. Like, like, it wasn't that. It was just this real genuine moment that I said unto God, like, I am yours. Have me take control. That's it. So you got to include that in your story. Why do we skip that in our story? Here's what I did, man. I asked the Lord to come into my life, and, 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 and this is what happened, right? Last thing we do. Last question we answer is, what difference has Jesus made? What difference has Jesus made? How has Jesus changed your answers to question number one? Right? Well, I had my identity here. I lived for these things. I did this stuff. How did Jesus change that? Right? And not just behavior. I mean, not just behavior, right? So f for me, what Christ did for me on the day of my salvation, um, my testimony is now different 20 years of sanctification than it was just on that day. And so like, I, like on, on that day, I, that day I just, I just knew I needed him. 
right? On that day, I knew I needed him. 20 years later, I realized where I had placed all my hope. It took me 22 years to figure out where I was placing my hope. 22 years of walking with the Lord to understand I'm not an illegitimate child, that he is my true father, that I can run to him, that I, 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 can, I can always sit in his lap, that there's a place in his house for me. 22 years to figure that out, man. And so that's like, that's part, like that's, that's, that's part of my testimony. You want to know the difference he's made? I'm not living for anybody else's pleasure or glory. Like, I love you guys. I do, I love you. And, and, and I care about what people think, but I got to this place, I just don't care any. I care about what he thinks. I care about what my wife thinks because I have to live with her. My kids, not so much. I, I'm still their boss. This one's getting big enough to challenge that. We'll see who wins. Okay? As long as I'm paying the bills, it's not him. But one day. But I, I, it just, for me, that's what happened. For me. So what happened for you? Like what change has it made for you, right? To know that I don't have to perform anymore. And again, I, this is my testimony now. That wasn't my testimony on the day of I was saved. Like that's my 20, 22 plus years walking this out. Like I finally figured out it is not about my performance. Hallelujah. Did you know the rest that's in that? Oh my gosh. It's huge. So you got to answer those questions. Okay, you got to answer those questions. Now, uh, here's the deal. My encouragement to you is to try to be like John. Make much of Jesus, not of you. That's what John did. Those big moments where he could put the spotlight on himself, he chose to put the spotlight on Jesus instead. Why? Because John couldn't save anybody. His story was actually about Jesus. Our story should actually be about Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. That's what our story should be. Okay? And so I want to challenge you. I want you to start thinking about your story. So I got some application for you. Just two points. Um, and here we are. Here's the first. Ready? Uh, point number one. I want to challenge you uh, this week to go home and work on writing your story. Now, I've given you a guide. By the way, um, every testimony we ask for isn't necessarily about our salvation. Maybe your story is about a trial that God has brought you through recently. That's a testimony too, right? So here's where this was. I felt like life was falling apart. Even as a Christian, this was going on. This is what God did. This is how uh, he helped me overcome this. That's a testimony of God's goodness, right? And so we still have these testimonies. But I want you to work on writing your story. Now, you'll notice on the back page, I gave you some blanks. I don't expect that that's enough. I really don't. So I want you to write on it. Now, you're, it's probably going to start off pretty long, okay? That's the way this works. But then, guess what you have to do? You've got to do what every person does that has to write. You have to rewrite. Yes, English 101. Isn't that awesome? And you kind of rework it, and you massage it. And, and the goal, here's the goal. Um, most of the time, I don't have time to tell somebody a 20-minute story in life. Don't. I do have a 20-minute version of my story. But most of the time, I have about two to three minutes to tell my story and if they're interested, I can tell the rest. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's what we're going to challenge you to do. I want you to work on writing down your story. I want, to, I want to challenge you to try to get it into two to three minutes. Why? Because we're going to give you an opportunity to tell your story right here in this church, in the worship service, right? 
And, and you say, ah, now here's the deal. We average attendance around here is usually somewhere between uh, 200 and 250, uh, 260 people a week, 250, 260 people a week. Uh, and then there's, those are different people every week. So it's just kind of crazy. So um, out of that people, so we say we have about 300 people that come on a regular basis. Out of those people, if I can't get 30 people to tell their stories, we fail. Period. Like if we can't walk out one of the most basic commands in Scripture, which is not to be Jesus' lawyer, but just to tell what he's done for me. If I can't find 30 of you to talk about how good God has been to you, then maybe we should stop showing up and singing praises to his name. You follow me? Okay? Some of you go, but I am scared to death of standing up in front of people. That's cool. You can hide behind the piano. I don't care. I mean, I'll put your picture on a screen. You can stand behind the door. Jesus was so good to me. Let me tell you. We can put one of those voice modulations over. Jesus was so good. Nobody will ever know it was you. Be great. No. No. We're not going to do that. What we are going to do is we're going to encourage you along the way. We're going to help you. So I want to encourage you to email me um, this week, uh, in the coming weeks, and say, hey, I'm working on this as my story. I'll sit down and talk with you. I'll help you put it together. I will help you um, like, like get it into. But then I want you to sign up. So we've got um, 15 Sundays. We have two services at 8.30 and 11 o'clock. And you get to invite people. Hey, I want you to come and hear my story. And it's going to be part of the worship service. It's going to be kind of cool. So we're working with a band on how to try to work that all in. But I want you to go home and work on your story. So that's, that's the first thing. For those of you that are Christians, that's the first thing. Now here is the second thing. It is a big deal. Okay? Some of you, uh, when I tell you to go home and work on your story, you're immediately going to realize you don't have a story to tell. Because you're still dead. Because you're still trapped in sin. Because you're, you're not rescued yet. And if you get there, you start off with question number one. Well, here's what my life is like. And you start working through this process and you realize you're still at question one. Then here's what you need to do. You need to cry out, Jesus, save me. Like, that's where your story will begin. It'll begin today. It'll begin this week. When you say, Jesus, I need you to take control of my life. I know it's corny, but take the wheel. I wrote it first. Taylor or whoever. Was it Taylor? Who wrote it? Who Carrie Underwood, she owes me money. I'm going to give it to the church if she ever pays up. I'll give it to the church. Uh, I'm serious. Guys, listen, if you're here and and you don't have a story to tell yet, it's because you haven't given Jesus control yet. And so this morning, I want to encourage you. We've been doing this. We did this all December. We just said, listen, if you haven't believed in Jesus, believe in Jesus. We had over 10 people put faith and trust in Jesus Christ in, in the month of December, okay? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So if that's you, this is what you do. Some kind of simple prayer. God, my life is a wreck. I need you to take control. Would you come into my life? And would you live there? Would you reign there? Would you be the king of my life? I, I, like, I'm yours, okay? That simple prayer, and the Bible says God will save you. Pray with me this morning. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. I pray this morning that uh, you would just do a work in our midst over the next few weeks as we learn the importance of our stories. As we read John's testimony... It's story after story after story of God's goodness. Would you stir something up in us that we realize we too have a story to tell? Please, God, we ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen, amen.